Hello, loves, and welcome back to the Ken Spirit Podcast. It's so good to be back. It's been a few weeks since our last episode, and it really feels like so much has changed. I cannot stress enough how these times really feel like a world of things has happened in between the last two to three weeks. So much has changed. Um, and I have had to take a small pause from posting on the podcast as I am normally I do, you know, when I need to pause, I usually pause, um, to travel, to finish and complete my travels across the country, the West coast, seeing friends, checking in with folks and coming back home to New Mexico. And if some of you have been following me along on social media, you know that, Um, I tried to move to California and I really, really thought it was going to be like the thing that I was going to do. But as soon as I got to California, I could feel the land of New Mexico speaking to me in my dreams, showing up to me in my visions and calling me to come back home and to bring my spirit and my heart and to complete the work that I have to do here. And so because I honor what the soul of the earth wants for me, I decided to move on back and I can see why in so many ways that would be too much to get into in this intro, why, why this land has called me back uh, so much about what my work is to do here and how much there is to honor. The spirit of change so much has also changed as far as what is coming up in the pipeline. Now, you guys, if you've been listening to the last four to five episodes, you've heard me talking about the Threshold Keeper retreat. And I have to update you and let you know that the dates have changed and so much within Threshold Keeper has shifted as well. Ashley has had to step off for her own personal reasons to care for her own life and um, in coven behavior and the spirit of like being in sisterhood. We sat with it for a couple of weeks and we said, okay, let's do this. Let's make these shifts. Let's honor health. Let's honor wholeness. Let's honor what needs to happen to prioritize care. And so the dates have changed. Those of you who have signed up have been notified. And because the dates have changed, so will some of the interior content of Threshold Keeper Retreat. I'm such a huge fan of listening to what the seasons, what the land, what the times, what is being invited of us to speak to, to listen to, to hold space for. And so there are going to be a few tweaks to how we're going to be showing up in Threshold Keeper, what we're going to be bringing through. And I want you to stay tuned for those. We're going to be having the retreat now on November 2nd through the 5th, same place, Mendocino, California. And this is a perfect time as we enter Scorpio season, as we sit in the sort of thick of of threshold matters and begin to face what the West or what autumn has in store for us. I'm actually really looking forward to this and looking forward to what will cook inside of us as keepers of the threshold uh, when we enter into this realm. So stay tuned for more updates. For now, I'm so excited to present to you 
a new episode with Sabrina Monarch, who is an astrologer, a novelist, a mystic, a romantic, and a philosopher who has been courting the invisible for many years. She is the host of the Magic of the Spheres podcast. She's an MA in philosophy, cosmology, and consciousness from the California Institute of Integral Studies. She's a background in evolutionary astrology and constantly keeps her practice interdisciplinary and evolving. Most lately, she's been traveling internationally, meeting the ecstatic and touching into the underworld, practicing, learning, embodying, researching Eros and Psyche as myths, as cosmic bodies that she works with. You can connect with her on IG at Sabrina Monarch and subscribe to the Magic of the Spheres podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Find her website at www.monarchastrology.com. Cannot wait for you to hear this episode about working with Saturn and Pluto, the very themes of change that have been working through our lives here behind the scenes in Threshold Keeper, my life, Ken Spirit. It's been really fun to just be able to co-create reality. It's been really tender to be able to step into change. And this episode with Sabrina is going to really support you in your own journey with change in your own way of moving through the world with Saturn and Pluto and the transits that are coming and that are here for us to work with right now. So enjoy. And if you deeply enjoy this episode, I know many of you are like me. You're you love to listen and you get really shy when it comes to leaving a review. But and some of you come into my DMs and you tell me how deeply the episodes move you and it really lights me up. I want to invite you to bring those reflections to the Apple reviews on the podcast. It really helps people to decide whether or not they want to listen to the podcast and it helps us other people to find us. It's been a while since anyone left a, a review on Apple Podcasts, but I'm getting DMs from you guys almost every week about the podcast. So I want to invite you to take those reviews and put them out there for the world to see so that we can spread some of this beautiful juice that we're cooking and that we take some time to put into form. So thank you all for listening. You guys mean the world to me. Cannot wait to get into this episode. Enjoy. Thank you for listening to the Kin Spirit Podcast, a podcast about imagining and crafting a more whole world. In these episodes, I'll be sharing conversations with people that I believe have beautiful perspectives, asking questions like, how might we craft futures of wholeness? What does that look like, taste like, feel like? What does it look like in our work, in our relationships with ourselves and each other, and in our relationship with the mystery and our myths? How can we allow wholeness to be centered in our human evolution and global creative processes? How can we craft a vision of the future that can really hold all of us? I hope these episodes support you in your own inquiry into these questions. Thank you for listening. Enjoy. I think Pluto and Aquarius is a pretty big topic. So just on that, like there's a few different kind of themes. Like there's something about like soul fracturing versus coming back into an integrated state. Like Aquarius really relates to that. 
And then also like this theme that I've been meditating on of like um, high and low places because Aquarius to me is like, you know, like the mountain energy or it's like up high or it's like, you know, the crown chakra or channeling, but Pluto's the underworld. And so I think there's something like happening between those two different poles. And I think about like, you know, going to the Oracle or like going to the Akashic records to get a vision, but you have to like actually bring the vision down for it to manifest and integrate. So Mm. something of like, also, yeah, like when people are in a rock bottom moment, how they often get insight (laughs) that helps them climb back up. So I've been thinking about that as kind of like a kind of Oracle And yeah, so a lot of how I think about Pluto and Aquarius is really psychological, experiential. I haven't done as much mundane astrology in terms of anticipating like global events or like global trends, AI for sure, but I'm not that knowledgeable about AI. So my, I'm limited on that, but that's, I think part of it. I love that. And, you know, I, I really love this like angle that you're bringing through around what is happening in the collective body and the collective mind around Pluto and Aquarius as partners in this experience that we're all about to like take a ride on. And I, I kind of want to like, I, I think that that feels like a really good place to hang out in and talk about and explore. But first of all, I I kind of, before we go into that, I feel like I kind of want to drop into a little bit of your context and a little bit of your school of thought around astrology. How did you come to this way of moving with astrology and breathing with astrology? You seem to have a very specific voice around speaking about what's happening in the stars is you're it almost feels like you're looking at things from like right underneath the skin like it's almost like you can like there's the skin layer and then you can see like the veins underneath the skin and you're almost like speaking to that like sort of wiring that code and the different timelines that are available within the collective body And so I've just been fascinated and intrigued by that as well. It's not sort of this like airy fairy, let's categorize everyone, but there is sort of like a nuance and a complexity that I really appreciate about the way that you approach it. So please tell me more about your approach. I'd love to hear more. Thank you for that beautiful image. I like when you share that, that has me thinking about like essentially the, all the astrological archetypes and transits. So whether we're looking at events or natal charts, it's all so um, multivalent. I got that term from Rick Tarnas who wrote Cosmos and Psyche. Um, And multivalence is about how any archetype can express like through an infinite number of ways. And understanding the archetype is about having that kind of gestalt but then you can imagine all these different manifestations. And so what I like to do is tap into what I imagine people will be struggling with, like what is the challenge, as well as like what's the invitation or deeper opportunity. And so when I delineate astrologically, I feel like I speak to both of those things. 
And I think that's what keeps it from being airy because you can use any transit to be like, this is, you know, a portal. This is going to be the best thing ever. Like we're going to up-level, we're going to upgrade. And like, you could take that perspective, but it doesn't ground it in like the actual challenges and like undertones of the transits. So I like to keep both. And, you know, likewise too, people can get very stuck in a fear-based vision of life and of astrology and like panic about all the transits and not access the higher octave. So I just like to build a connection between those possibilities. I love that. And I love this term, the higher octave, because um, that's a very energetic way of speaking about like, yes, we're seeing it at one level, but there is a different tone. There is a different resonance that wants to come through. And it doesn't, it's not necessarily about like, how much more positive can we get? How much more um, cheerleadery can we get? But about like how much more human, it sounds like what you're saying is like, how much more of the earth, how much more of the body of the flesh can we get to deeply alchemize how these transits are affecting us on a physiological, psychological level. And I really appreciate that perspective because yeah, I almost see like, personally, I almost see astrology as like a developmental tool and has been super supportive for so many of us who exist in as millennials and, you know, bridge folks and, and Gen Z folks who have been looking for sort of the lost like layer of development and parenting in our culture, the village, as we like to say on Instagram and astrology has been for me this like really powerful way of like oh my village is like the cosmic planetary bodies and you know right now saturn is being father daddy sounds a little i i wanted to say daddy saturn's being daddy feels a little uh right now I feel a little like, mm, I need to check that one. Um, the respect is coming in because I'm currently in my Saturn return day two. And then like, there's also the sun and there's also these other like archetypes that are expressing themselves in like very generous and like wisdom bearing ways. And it just makes sense to like, see the complexity of these things, um, to embrace their complexity versus like sort of pigeonhole ourselves into, you know, one personality or one phase or one expression of Pluto, for example, like, I feel like I have this like culturally imbued fear of Pluto and Saturn, maybe not so culturally, maybe it like personal experience, but like there's, there's this like fear around them versus like curiosity around Oh, like what do, what is the role that you're here to play in my world, in the culture, in my context, ecologically, like, how do you want to move and dance and be and express and like liberating these planetary bodies in our lives versus like sort of capsuling them into one single story. So I love that you take this perspective. Yeah, I'm getting like rolling chills as you're speaking and something that you're saying about the, um, like cosmic village, I feel that's such a beautiful side of working with astrology is that we do awaken to this reality that's um, 
you know, beyond the social or cultural reality, like it filters through it and it manifests through it, but there's like the capacity to have direct relationship with the planets. And part of that is watching the transits, knowing what the transits are in some sense, knowing how they could manifest and then actually seeing them play out and seeing our own capacity come. Sorry, it froze for a second. Yeah, it got a little choppy in there. But what I think I heard you say is like there, there's a like basically there's a lot of like magic and nuance and story and complexity and aliveness to be found in really witnessing how the planets are playing out in our culture, but also in our lives and like really personifying them in a sense. Um like they're not kind of what I'm sensing from that is like, they're not just these forces that are happening to us. They, they want to interact with us. They want to play with us and um, make meaning with us. So that's kind of what I'm like, the gist of what I'm hearing you say from that little like internet (laughs) moment. (laughs) <laughs> and it it is about relationship too, because if we do feel like the transits are just acting upon us, we can take like a victimized stance to the cosmic reality versus if we're like in prayer, like in conversation, in curiosity um, with the transits, they do reflect, they manifest differently, right? And I think you know, dimension Pluto and Saturn as like difficult archetypes. It's not just that like being in relationship with life makes everything easy. It's like, there's still these very difficult or intense elements to life. Um, but we're here on earth, like having this like evolutionary awakening journey. So that's part of it. And I feel like working with astrology is getting like a, a map, a lay of the land, a time, like, um, a calendar, if you will, of what's going to be happening so that we can be more like intentionally participating. I love this idea of intentional participation um, versus like sort of preparedness. Like I know Saturn and Pisces is coming, so I'm going to thwart that and I'm going to figure out everything there is to know about it and like manipulate my way through the next two and a half years which can be a very tempting thing to do when you don't, don't want to like suffer <laughs> or ex- experience like immense pain from Pluto and all of these changes that Pluto is calling for in our world. But like this participation is, um, I think it's a really powerful context for us to enter into this conversation about what is Pluto doing in the world right now? Um, what does Pluto want to bring into our lives? What are the gifts and the lessons and the challenges and the dynamics that Pluto is bringing in that we can learn to work with um, versus resent and despise? And it kind of reminds me a little bit too about, um, you know, how in certain kinds of like therapies or like parts work or whatever, there's this sort of theory that anything that you're rejecting in another, you might on some level be rejecting in yourself, right? So if there's something that we're rejecting in Saturn or something that we're rejecting in Pluto, just as food for thought, is that something that we are also rejecting in ourselves? 
and choosing to not embody or develop and grow in because of the resentment that we feel. And so curious about how you feel about that as like a, a lens to see these current transits, or if you think of something, if it feels like, no, I feel like something different is happening here. I'd love to hear that too. Um, well, first I want to say like happy Saturn return beginning. I love, um, finding out that you're Saturn and Pisces because I feel like the holding space for storytelling, um, is such a like Jupiter Saturn kind of thing. And that's really beautiful. And I love the Saturn and Pisces generation. And I'm so excited to see what happens and like what crystallizes, um, during the next two and a half years. Um, and as for the part about rejection and like something within ourselves that we reject. I think of Pluto going, it's so fundamental in terms of it's like raw life force nature. And it's a process that wants to happen. Like if there's an energy, like a, a waterfall or a, like something moving in a direction. And Pluto is like, when we interact with it, it's also our simultaneous resistance to that nature because it's a nature that will annihilate us <laughs> in some level, you know? Um, and we can also be in the current with it. Um, and so by that, I mean, like we have like a basic purpose or something that we're here to do, um, at a nature level, but then our ego or our personality is like having to have all of these ego deaths around it. Pluto is very difficult to relate with from that space. And yet like when we're in touch with it, it's like you have like that whole rush of nature like behind you and you're in the same direction as it. And I think of um, if we look at it really existentially, Pluto is about our soul desire, like why we're even here. And it's like this moment of like between lives, a soul sensing the portal of like, here's like a family or a situation that I can be born into. Here's this wave that I can catch here's all this raw like life experience material that's going to be the alchemical ground for whatever it is I'm learning or doing. And we can believe that that was intentional. Like I chose to be here. I chose that wave. But then when we're actually on earth and we're like living lives, sometimes what we're experiencing in life is really devastating or doesn't make any sense. And it's hard to be like, oh, why would I choose this? Am I a masochist? You know, and like maybe Carolyn Elliott and like existential kink will say some things about that. But essentially like Pluto at the deepest level is something about desire and desire is messy and um, entangled and doesn't make that much sense. And like the kind of above like civil, like egoic personality, um, so in terms of the like rejection part, I think there's something like a journey with Pluto of really getting on board with the deepest essence of who we are, even, you know, and kind of like clearing up some of the entanglements or things that we've gotten attached to that aren't who we are, but we think we are. But then when we get down to that basic level, the allowance of that to kind of annihilate who we think we are. Um, and that I think 
does involve so many processes around looking at what we've rejected in ourselves or where we have shame. Um, so that's what that made me think of. I I love that. I think, yeah, I think about like Pluto is this place from what I understand and know about Pluto where we want to hide that we want what we want. And we spend our, like, I feel like for myself, I spend my whole life and my unconscious life force energy, like this unconscious expression of myself, trying to avoid holding the power of what Pluto is calling me to hold in my life. Like my Pluto is in the second house and <laughs> lots of second house Scorpio lore in my world of like resources and home and, and like feeling more like having so many periods of my life where I felt way more comfortable, completely and utterly broke than I felt stepping into my power and my authority um, and my essence, which is very Venusian in nature and wants to like retain goodness and was very earthen and very, very all about having these soft, supple structures to hold me and to hold my context and to hold my people in that's full of beauty and luxury and goodness. Like the confrontation of that is so volatile sometimes because of that resistance. And, you know, I think about people who have like Pluto and 10th house and they're like terrified of being seen or, you know, just like all of these like little, like little pieces where we think, oh, you know, this is just, these are my values. And then Pluto, I feel like comes in and is like, no bitch, those are not your values. <laughs> those are the mechanisms that you, you, the, the stories that you have bathed yourself in to keep you from accessing your true essence. And I'm here to unravel all of that. So let's go. We're ready. Let's do this. <laughs> exactly. I love how you just depicted that because it is so confronting and like, we really get attached to things and Pluto will challenge that. And Pluto is also the force that drives us to get attached in the first place. It's like the very force that gives life and takes it away. So it's like, why did you get me all excited and like energized to merge so deeply with this thing only to rip it away from me so that I could learn a lesson, you know? And so have going through that cycle, it's like become so much less about the actual kind of thing or circumstance. And it's always that deeper psychological, energetic undertone, but how vulnerable to be experiencing that as these bodies, like as these beings that come in and out of existence, like as vulnerable beings, like it's really, um, Pluto will like show us the places where we are looking for security the most, where we feel the most insecure, everything that we'll do to try to make ourselves feel secure, the kind of like sandcastles that we'll build for that. Um, and so it is like a really deeply transformative archetype. Um, it's interesting to see too, how people that really relate to Pluto are like so hardcore, like their energy is like pristine. <laughs> They've like seen some shit and they have like these superpowers. 
Um, but you hear about their life story and they've like really gone through it. I aspire. Um, I want to be a Pluto person actually. And I am trying to like get over. I have to like, I don't have to stop loving anything that I love, but like, I definitely get to like disidentify with this is like kind of what I'm experiencing in my own world right now with Pluto is like, I get to disidentify with the soft-spoken, um, you know, small little earth, witch that ha- like has to be told to speak up. I get to disidentify with, you know, not stating my needs with clarity, um, with feeling like I need to sell people on my own goodness. Like, um, feeling I need to be so attached to being good in the first place. Pluto comes through and like, is like, you know, fuck your morals actually. Um, and not to demoralize us. I feel Pluto actually comes in to say, like, give us that, like that check, that challenge around, like, what is it? Like, what are the moral structures? What is the, like, yeah, what are the moral structures of your world and your society? How are you relating to other people through that and putting people and yourself in further chains? That's how I see Pluto showing up through my own reality of like, it's like my own sort of moral codex has nothing to do (laughs) with what is actually just and okay with the world sometimes it's just my own little world of <laughs> rules and compromises that I've made um that keep me in chains in a comfortable way yeah and I'm curious like yeah I kind of want to almost get into like some of the some of those like cultural aspects if you have anything to share about what I just said but also some of these like cultural aspects that we might see with this transition from Capricorn to Aquarius in Pluto. And then also what that Pluto Aquarius frequency might feel like in our bodies, um, what we might be challenged to evolve and change and transform in the deepest way possible. So with Pluto and Capricorn, that started in 2008, and there was a lot of themes around kind of like deconstructing authority and like power structures, seeing the shadow, seeing what's underneath. There's a lot of like kind of collective desire to take down structures, and Capricorn would be that which is like built up over time and has like structural cultural authority but is not necessarily objectively like authority it just happens to have like the check marks and the structures and the laws and etc behind it so there's this capacity within that for things to be um really far away from nature or really far away from the truth or corrupt essentially and so i think pluto and capricorn had that um kind of collective effect internally that could have also been um people's inner journeys with authority um and even like finding soul level authority like being really anchored in like the deepest parts of who one is um and with capricorn 
we're looking at like this collected density, like calcification. Um, so there's a sturdiness, right? But there's something that can be very just like dinosaur-y about it. <laughs> but then when we move into Aquarius, there's something like really new coming in and like beyond what we can even imagine. So I think about different times where technology has um, quantum leaped, where people don't even know how to interact with it per se. The invention of the internet. Some, like I just found out my favorite author, Anais Nin, she wrote something in the 40s or 50s about like her wish for an inner, like a cafe in space where people could like talk, you know, at distance. And there were already psychics and Akashic readers and whatnot before the invention of the internet. So Aquarius like does relate to like a kind of signal that's maybe ahead of its time. And you can tap into different signals um, with Aquarius. Like there's the collective groupthink signal, which is like top 40 hits on the radio. And like everyone can, you know, the signals you can tune into it versus like, what's the unique thing that's coming through. And when I think about connecting that to technology, it's like these inventors or the people that are bringing forth these novel technologies are touching a signal before the collective is. And then the collective has to adjust to the like freedom or the trauma that those inventions bring. Like AI as an example, like some people are really excited about AI and other people find it like disturbing and whatnot. And with these new technologies or just like new things in reality, it really um, can be shocking like with Aquarius. So I think there's gonna be something about like that dynamic of like facing things that are very unknown or like um, very novel. And that's kind of where, where my site is so far in terms of like collective themes, um, psychologically, then there's like a whole other rabbit hole too. Totally. I think that this is so fascinating. And like, when I think about Aquarius, I think about also the individual and like the community or the individual and their context or the individual in relationship to like all things else and this sense of belonging. And I'm curious too, because I've I've been writing a lot about belonging lately. Um, I have on and off for years, but like recently I'm just like really in this circuit right now. And I'm curious what you see um, or what you imagine even in regards to how our like our physiological technology, like our nervous system, the brain, our conscious awareness begins to evolve and create more of this dynamic around like how we relate to each other. I've been really curious about moral codes. People are like really obsessed with the village right now. And I'm like kind of obsessed with it too, but not really wanting to be in a culty power dynamic with people also. Yeah, I'm curious if you could speak into that, if that's a thread that you have picked up at all in your- Yeah, thank you. Like that is very Aquarian. Um, and this like thing around belonging, there's like these different 
like maybe moments in the story related to belonging that I feel into with Aquarius because you can like part of Aquarius is looking around like the culture and feeling like I don't belong and I need to go like away. I need to go out. I need to separate myself. Um, and that can be through a physical location change. It can be through the internet. It can be through fantasy and imagination, one's consciousness, but Aquarius tends to like go out where, like somewhere else, <laughs> like even if they do connect and touch back, but then part of this people can resist because it's really uncomfortable, probably at a nervous system level too, to be that disconnected from the village or the group. Um, there's a fear of loneliness. There's a fear of like, if I go that far out, like, will I ever be able to come back? Or, you know, will, will I feel like I can't connect with people anymore? And so at times, perhaps Pluto will like, give some libido and energy to that process with Aquarius. It's like being willing to go out into the unknown um, and then to find oneself, find even like retrieve parts of oneself, right? Like I think when we look around and feel this weird kind of aimless, like alienation, it's like part of our soul knows something's missing. And so when we do actually like connect with the activities or the state of consciousness, the way of being that brings us back into alignment with that thing we felt was distantly missing. Then we get to anchor in that frequency. And then we become like a lighthouse or a beacon or the one that's sending out signals and it attracts like-minded people. And then we can form these kind of like communities, these alternative communities or these communities that just sprout up. And the challenge that can come with that um, is like many, right? Like you can have like a friend group where it feels like everyone's authentic and gets to be themselves. And it's just like, you're kind of naturally brought together or you can have like a little trendy, like we're all friends because we have the same interest, but there isn't actually like a deeper resonance as well as when people split off from the main culture, um, there can be different traumas that, you know, and freedoms that come with that. And so then when they all get together in their like alternative groups, they're still working with their own set of like their subgroup cultural trauma. Um, and I think Aquarius really deals with that where it's like the idealism of like, let's make a village, let's make an, you know, a kind of um, intentional community but then you still are bumping up against other personalities and nervous systems and there's still like issues, you know, to be resolved. So there's a little bit of disillusionment that can come through there, but I think it's still, you know, speaking from experience of like being connected with unconventional people or people that I think are highly unique. Um, I think it's worth it. I think it's just about like getting getting clear about what real freedom is. Um, and there's within Aquarius, like a teaching that comes from evolutionary astrology about objective freedom, like freedom that just is versus freedom from, and the sense of like having an opposition. And so I think like being able to find inherent freedom within oneself inherent freedom within limitations, inherent freedom within relationships 
is different than having an idealized vision of, oh, this person should be this way. And because they don't match my idealized expectations of them, now I have to fight them and fight this thing that I invented about them in my own head, you know, and then that's not the deepest, like Aquarian freedom, it's Aquarian, you know, hamster wheeling, I guess. Mm. That is so um, incredibly juicy. And I think it's like, I think it's a very powerful pickup point from where we left off with Saturn and Aquarius, where I felt like I had this experience with all of my Saturn Aquarius friends where like by the end of it, like you have these people who were just like joyous innocent, buoyant, loving, porous, empathic people. And then by the end of it, like they all have the Iron Man suit on, like every single fucking one of them. (laughs) They're all shored up. They're all like, they're just like, nobody's getting in. Like almost every Saturn Aquarius person I know by the end of it was like, nobody's getting in, nobody's getting out. I'm done. I'm done with all of you hoes. I'm done with all of you hoes. <laughs> and so I feel, I kind of feel like Saturn, like that Pluto Aquarius is like almost like picking up the beat in a sense. At least I'm imagining it this way of like, okay, now that you know what your energy is like, it's time to be liberated in it. And it's kind of like speaking to what you were saying of like, what is freedom without opposition? What is liberation? What is, what is, <laughs> What is liberation without like needing to be separate from, but just to like know the the truth of who you are and in that truth and in that liberation, be able to like witness the truth of another person and have sort of a keen uncomplicated understanding of like, that's how that person is. That's, this is who I am. Um, And There's no like sort of like, maybe there is to some degree, but it's not so heavy handed around like, how should people be? Again, coming back to this question of the moral code um, is something that we decide on together versus something that is like impressed upon by like this sort of invisible, it like, you know, dating and in, dating Instagram therapy, Instagram culture that has every mother loving thing to say about boundaries, but nothing to say about radical, regenerative, wholehearted relating and honoring each other's essence without expecting them to be like, I don't know, that's my own projection um, and critique, but I think that this is a very fascinating conversation and I, I kind of want you to say more if you have it in you um, on like this dynamic between Pluto and Aquarius and how, how do they want to dance together? Um, yeah, like it, it's kind of giving this like song of like bring forth the weirdos, the alt people, like celebrate all the funky, wild, strange folks. And that gets me really excited. Um, but like, how do you see that sort of playing out in the world? Yeah, I think what you're sharing about like kind of the progression of Saturn and Aquarius and that boundary process, it 
it has me thinking like Aquarius is traditionally ruled by Saturn. So there is something about boundaries and there is like a really inherent friendliness to Aquarius when Aquarius is like secure within itself. And it gives me like, I was getting this image or like memories in my mind of times, like, um, like I love connecting with strangers, like people just like out in the world. And there's something about that where like most of the time, I don't want to escalate those connections to like exchanging phone numbers and like being like up in each other's lives up close for years to come, you know, <laughs> like there's just that joy and electricity of like having a magical conversation and letting it be. Um, and that is like a deeper capability of Aquarius. There's such a um, open friendliness and that can be confusing to people. Like if you, you know, are at a party or something and you're like flirting with someone and one person has that attitude of like, well, this was nice and I'm going to go on with my life. And the other person was like, this is nice. I want to hold on to it and make something out of it. So there is something about being like on the same wavelength or the same page with Aquarius. Um, and also like the, um, really strong differences when that's, you know, the kind of like static or like miss signal energy when we're not on the same page. Um, and as far as like Pluto and Aquarius, what I think is so like striking about the combination is that Pluto is the underworld and Aquarius is like the upper air realms. It's like, um, radio signals moving through the air. It's the Akashic records it's downloading. It's like the crown chakra Aquarius can relate to out of body experiences, whether that's from a place of trauma, um, or from a place of like, like remote viewing, like dream astral travel, or like intentional practices around like going up and transcendence and whatnot. And so what is the God of the underworld and this like very up there air sign like doing together? And I think that that like, um, those realms, I feel like are intrinsically connected, even when Pluto isn't in Aquarius in the sense that, um, when, a person is like opening their channel to psychic vision. It's not just like pure stuff that comes through. Like we filter it through our own stuff, our own unconscious shadow material. And so if we do really want to like elevate or upgrade or go up high, like we do end up processing the material from the underworld. Um, and like for people that are wired this way too, like often, like, I feel like people with fixed placements can be like this. Um, sometimes we do tap into a greater level of ecstasy or freedom or joy because we tapped into like the deep gunk, you know, or like we did something. Um, I think sometimes it can get addicting or whatnot to realize that the deeper you go into like an intense experience, a plant medicine journey, or like some kind of breath work thing, or like bringing oneself to the edge and like really going there, that something opens, there's like a breakthrough, a transcendence. And so I feel like I'm like losing track of the original, like starting point, but something about like those high and low places and what that will bring out in us. Um, really like psychologically and spiritually as this transit progresses. Mm, I love, I love all of everything that you just said, because I have an Aquarian moon. 
and and I, I definitely can see the ecstasy you're talking about of like going deep into the under realms to mine for the essential truth um and to sort of like create like the, yeah I almost get this picture of like a human sort of like expanding and rooting in the sky and rooting in the earth um and they're sort of like they're like present their physiology sort of like becomes thinner in that expression and more fine-tuned um it becomes refined um but not always in like a healthy way not all the time or like what we deem as healthy I guess we're going to get a reality check on what is healthy and it's not in Pluto and Aquarius but like yeah I just almost see this image of like um the tone becoming more refined um through yeah just like through it's like the I think about playing piano and I think about the octave of like playing with both hands and the resonance and the like the resound that's created when you're playing with both sides like the full spectrum of the keyboard um instead of sort of just staying in the middle and that doesn't make any logical sense but (laughs) no I was I was like we're in the Aquarian like Akashic record space with these images yeah um yeah I think you know that image that you were giving of like being rooted and then being connected like upward to the ether to the cosmos um I feel like part of Aquarius and Pluto and Aquarius is about integration. And I was thinking of like, um, one of the technologies that could be a thing that I had like heard about, um, was like meta, like kind of like virtual reality metaverse kind of thing. And that really brings up like different sci-fi movies and novels (laughs) that like, you know, um, the matrix for one, or like, um, I read this series as a kid, Pendragon, and like it was, they'd always be in these different worlds and realms. But one of them included a space where people were just like hooked up their brains to like computers and they were totally living out this virtual reality all of the time. And I think there's a real like, like people can be tempted with Aquarius to like live out in that kind of detached space. And there is something different about the air element in that we can think of something and it immediately exists because we thought of it, but in like earth, like things take time to materialize, like resources take time to gather, um, for them to appear, for them to grow. And that's like so limiting feeling in the Aquarian perspective. And I'm thinking about how will people navigate, like, if we are going to go up into some other realm, whether it's imagination or virtual reality or like an internet life that we have, how does it match and cohere with what's happening on the ground? Um, And 
I don't think that every single trip into like fantasy land has to be integrated on earth. Like sometimes things are fantasies for a reason, but like really examining if there's a split there and why, you know, and like one of the things that I would think about with this, with Pluto and Aquarius was like, I had online avatars from a really young age. Like I started at 11 (laughs) and um, I was on a writing website and I had this really interesting experience of like, my writing was ahead of my embodiment. Like I was still like an awkward nerdy kid, you know, but my writing was like really good and like had this like robust, like quality to it. So this thing that was coming out of my voice was not the same as what my body was expressing. And I really liked how like on the internet, as like a 12, 13 year old, I was loved and adored. I had friends all over the world. Um, but in school, like in my like quote real life, I was like bullied and like didn't have a lot of friends. And so it could have been like tempting to stay in the place where I was getting more social belonging, but I wasn't content with that. Like I wanted to like also belong on earth too. And there was a process that took some years of like kind of catching up or cohering my online avatar and like how free I could be in that space and my communication with my embodiment and how I show up in my everyday life. So I think that there are opportunities for integration and it doesn't have to be so um, like, I think there can be a capacity to like demonize the internet or virtual reality spaces or like whatever, because, and it's like, what is it doing to our kids and who are they becoming? And those psychological perils are real, right? There's just like, what are the skill sets of integration that would help if people are going really far out into these alternate realms, like how does that connect back here? Oh, I love this question. I love this conversation. I love just, yeah. I was also one of those kids who at 11, I had a blog spot um, and like had all of these like online avatars, Neopets, like was totally in that world, but like outside of it, like didn't have robust friendships that felt, felt good to be in until maybe high school. And, um, so many of us have grown up like that. So many of us have like had this sort of like early experience of understanding who we are in another realm I mean, and I I like to speak of the digital realm as a realm because that's what it is. It's not this like terrible place where our minds go to atrophy. I mean, it could, there's all the possibilities, but it is our realm that we step in and out of every day. And the pendulation between like when we're in it and we're out of it like has tightened and now we're like it feels like our culture our humanity our world is like interwoven in an irrevocable fashion and I can only imagine getting more keen with that in our future over the next 20 years of like love this I love this expression of um too that there are some things that will happen in certain realms that will stay in those realms. And 
that, that acceptance is also a format of integration of just like, I accept that what happens online or what happens in this digital sphere is what's happening here. And thank you, God, I don't have thousands of people listening to my every thought in real life. Like, leave me the fuck alone. I'm a hermit. Do not, you know, like, don't do it. Don't come near me. Like, (laughs) don't like me like that. You know what I mean? Like, please don't. And that, that's a very, that's a, that I think that's a nice separation when we can like access that of like, we have multiple dimensions and we were, we are actively living into them. So it feels like this graduation from multidimensionality, meaning I have multiple hobbies and now it's like, no, like my literal, my literal being and identity has multiple, like dimensions, multiple timelines, multiple lives, concordant lives. So there are like extensions of my being that are walking around on earth, which is another layer of like esoterics that we don't have to get into right now because I feel like it deserves a lot more unpacking than that. But like, there is sort of this like, this normalizing of multiplicity I mean you can even see it in like this like the psychology space of how oh yeah everybody has multiple archetypes and aspects many 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 aspects inside of them and um it's actually a skill to be able to talk to and commune with these aspects and schizophrenia has like a different almost like it has a different texture and category now that is like not just I'm talking to my Pluto self or I'm like engaging with this ratchet protector part who won't let me post this meme because I'm, it's afraid I'm going to get canceled, you know, whatever it is. I just think that that is so cool and fascinating and like it beckons me into curiosity around how can I create space for these happenings to unfold in my life? How can I adapt to what wants my participation, right? That's kind of what I'm thinking of. I just said a lot, but (laughs) yeah. That really lights me up because it's like the multiple realms like that can go so far in the sense that like, it reminds me of like these different kind of like consciousness or like reality, like mutability games of like, if I change my perspective or mindset or do some kind of like inner healing, then my outer environment changes. And I think that part of like where people end up having a lot of fun with Aquarius is when they like get into their excitement or like, like being in that kind of like electric aliveness, um, and kind of experiment with reality in some sense. And when it comes to like, I had like a process some years ago of like really, um, shifting my inner world. Like I had chronic depression and I just like changed it 
like I had this experiment of changing my own brain chemistry. So I worked on being like positive and I like kept shifting my neural pathways and I don't do that to the same extent lately. I haven't for years. And sometimes I wonder like, what would happen if I just like went all out and just like really pursued that? Because the times where I do, you know, I've also just gotten more like, I pay a lot of attention to like the shadow and the underworld too. But I think about these different times where I've just decided to take on a certain like emotional energy and like played with like the game of that. And that reality reflected me differently. Different things happened, like magical synchronicities appeared. And so like the multiple realms and multiple timelines are here. And I think like Pluto and Aquarius can be like, we don't have to put on like a virtual reality helmet (laughs) to play with virtual reality. Like that technology reflects the mutability of, and the different timelines and the multiverse of this world too. I, I, mm, oh, this conversation is like all the things because like what you're speaking to is again, back to that question of like, what is the technology of our bodies wanting to do in the world? And you're speaking to that. Like, I love, you know, I love this like reality creation work of, deciding, you know, I had an experience a couple of years ago that was sort of similar, but I was like homeless, classic second house Pluto lore. And I love the word lore. I love that that is a part of our, like my vernacular now, because it just makes it so much lighter. Um, but like, yeah, I was just like homeless. I was like, I, it was beginning of the pandemic and homeless is kind of a strong word, but I was like moving over and over and over and over again to the point where didn't have another place lined up. And somebody just randomly walked up to me that I knew from the music scene. I was like, we have a trailer in our backyard. You can totally live there for a month and a half. And within that six week period, so much evolved. I was doing timeline work for the first time, learned it from Miriam Hasna at first. And like, boom, 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 boom. So much, just so much change. Like I was scared. I was like, I'm never going to get above 2.5 K in my bank account ever again. I'm, I'm feeling so discouraged to bringing in five figures by the end of like the next month, you know, or buying a car, getting a house and like shift, just shifting my energy, not becoming, you know, this like high vibrational queen who's always positive all the time. Cause I couldn't get there, but like literally just like putting my body in the sun and being like, listen, bitch, we're going to, we're going to shift out of this energy. We're going to like, we're not doing this. <laughs> this is, this is not it, you know? And there's a lot of, I think that I love that there's so much more permission and normalizing of how capable we are to shift timeline trajectories into more pleasurable places. It doesn't mean that all of our problems or all of our experiences or challenges are going to go away, that the human experience is going to go away, but we do have choice, right? And it, it like there is something more intricate and more intelligent about it than just changing your attitude. It's like what you're kind of speaking to. It's like, no, my reality started responding to me and my shifted state. And that was a co-creation. That was like an ineffable experience that I was having with my reality. 
And I, I just really freaking love that. I love that. I think that that is such a hopeful way to move forward, especially with like Saturn being in Pisces now, which has a lot of these tones of like, what are you bringing forth from the dark? What are you birthing? What are you creating? What are you putting your heart and soul into, right? It's like taking the, the Pisces is very like in my understanding and view of Pisces is very like empathic, porous uh, creature who is like, highly sensitive and in the world and taking in all of it. And Saturn is like, what are you going to do with that? You can't hold all of that. You can't crumple and like hide in the dark and in your closet and never want to come out ever again and not try things. No, you need to learn how to transmute this shit. So we're going to take some time for the next two and a half years and really learn how to get out into the field, put your hands in the soil and do this shit. And just being so reinforced by Pluto and Aquarius, it's just, I think it's magical. It's so cool. Um. <laughs> I mean, yeah, both like Pisces and Aquarius, I feel like do this thing about interacting with multiple realms at once. Like they both kind of go out somewhere else. I think they're both, you know, they're at the end of the Zodiac. So they're like trailing toward that, like, am I here or am I in the next thing? And because they can see beyond, they, and it's like, they're still here though. Like there's that quality of being a visionary or a channel and like bringing in like, like, so what you're saying about Saturn and Pisces, like they both like Saturn and Pisces and Pluto and Aquarius, I think are going to be about integrating the realms and like being reality artists. Um, and also like overcoming the obstacles, like, um, I had a whole phase of like, you know, going through personal heartbreak and feeling like I was, it was like God punishing me, you know? And it's like that filter of feeling like abandoned by God because of my own like um, heartbreak, like was a really difficult thing to live with. And I couldn't just like magic it away instantly. It took me time to like really figure out that one out and transmute it. But you know, on another day in another space, I can feel like the whole universe has my back and like all these amazing things happen. And so I think that like the nature of our filters and how we're interacting with reality, like can often be unconscious or deeply embedded. And I think that would be like the working of both of these planets at this time. Mm, so potent, so good, so powerful. I love the term reality artists. Very, very, um, it's a more nuanced way to move with it. It's a dance like that we engage and we engage the material, um, even though we aren't the ones who are creating all of, we're not creating the dirt, we're not creating the material of our lives all the time, but we can engage with it and sort of interface and play with how they show up. And I just, you know, I love that. so. Thank you so much for, yeah, just like sharing your wisdom and your insight on Pluto and Aquarius. Curious if you have any, um, any tips for the road as we move into the next 20 years, by the time Aquarius, Pluto Aquarius is done, I think I'll, I'll be like 50, 50 years old, a full life will have been lived and I'm, I think a lot of people who listen to this podcast will be around 56 years old. What tips do you have for us to move through this experience 
um, that we might just remember right on the mirror and just take in. Wow. Um, I think something around like seeking, seeking breakthrough and higher perspective, expanded perspective, um, and realizing that that is multi-directional um, in the sense that it is Pluto. So it is relating to the underworld and that like our pursuit of higher knowledge, right? Like I think about um, being triggered or like being like in a really difficult spot emotionally and how that's like my underworld experience. But the part of me that wants to see beyond it, like that insight or that wisdom that comes through then applying that to how I move through the situation is essentially that dance between Aquarius and the underworld and I think it can be really um, powerful to have a practice of doing that so that we're we're awakening to like the gameplay of our life as it's happening and Aquarius has that detached view so it's like we're here on the ground we're living our lives. We're like in the game, but Aquarius is that side of us, that higher consciousness that we can merge with that will give us a, a more zoomed out perspective. Um, and to realize that like, like those moments, like we can continue to have them throughout our lives. Like there's always that place of evolution where it's like, if I could just hear, understand this in a heightened way, then I would have more agency about how to move through the situation. Or I could like sense a doorway where I thought there was only a wall. So it's like really this pursuit of freedom. And I think that um, the sheer like joy that that freedom can come through our channel, that it can come through like a download makes the adventure of this life feel really exciting. And I think that sometimes it doesn't look like that in the moments that things are the hardest. Um, but that kind of perspective could also be a guiding light through those hard moments. I love that. Seeking this higher knowledge. I've been thinking a lot about how when we soften our perspective our perception, we slow down. It's not necessarily about like feeling less, but feeling more a more nuanced range of emotions and being able to receive just a little bit more information that's more nuanced than what is going to keep us alive. And what you're saying is like really kind of reminding me of that like softer perception of reality. And it's also reminding me how at times when I have gone through challenges and I'm going through challenges, you know, we all are to some degree, I can often feel that invitation to hold the challenge with just a little bit more sovereignty and to shift the timeline. Like, I almost feel like it's like training ground. I've like been given instructions to, really train my perception of how to hold something, not to escape it, not to deny it, not to bypass it, but to like be in the school of magic, so to speak, be in the school of, of mutability and allow reality to shift and to see the impact of what it means to feel into a new shift or think our way into something new. 
And that's been really challenging and also really alive for me. And I'm just connecting, you know, what I have experienced and what I feel is like really important to, to like hold is like what you're saying is like, we have agency in this experience and this expression of how we dance with these planetary bodies. They're not just happening to us. We can co-create with them and we can move with them and we can receive a deeper understanding of how to do that if we're willing, if we're open. So I love it. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I would love before we sort of sign off, it feels like a natural place to like land, but I would love for you to share where people can find your work. I know you also have a podcast. Um, so please let us know how we can find you and I'll be sure to include those links in the show notes as well. Thank you. Yeah, people can find me. Um, my website's monarchastrology.com. My podcast is Magic of the Spheres. And I'm also on YouTube, Sabrina Monarch. Um, Instagram, Sabrina Monarch as well. Beautiful. And I'll include those notes. And yeah, thank you so much, Sabrina. This has been a really delightful conversation. I feel so inspired. Um, yeah, just to like, take a deeper ownership of my own reality and my own like mode of being on the planet at this time it feels really good thank you this was electric and I love the images that come through the ones that you share and mm. um it felt like we were embodying the Akashic like Aquarian space <laughs> yes it felt good it felt really good I love being in those spaces too Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Ken Spirit, an emergent spiritual collective of creatives and dreamers who are dedicated to the work of bridging the gap between the everyday and the sacred and storying our way through great change. Your listenership means the world to us. So if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider adding an honest rating and a written review so that more people can find the conversations we're holding. In between episodes, you can find us on social media at Kenspirit or kenspirit.podcast. And you can find me, your resident story doula, at thestorydoula.co. Until next time, see you later. Hello and welcome back. Hello and welcome back to the Ken Spirit Podcast. My name is Daje and I am your host and it feels really good to be back. It feels like it's been a few weeks. I've been doing a, some traveling. I've been driving across the nation and just really settling back in here in Santa Fe. Some of you know that if you're following me on social media, that I thought that I might move away from the desert and go to California, but it seems like spirit had other plans. As soon as I got to California, within a week, I started having dreams of Santa Fe. I started having dreams of the New Mexican land and felt her spirit calling me back here. And so because, <clears throat> and so, <clears throat> and so because I really deeply value and honor 
Hello, loves. Welcome back to the Ken Spirit Podcast. Hello, loves, and welcome back to the Ken Spirit Podcast. It's so good to be back. It's been a few weeks since our last episode, and it really feels like so much has changed. I cannot stress enough how these times really feel like a world of things has happened in between the last two to three weeks. So much has changed. Um, and I have had to take a small pause from posting on the podcast as I am normally, I do, you know, when I need to pause, I usually pause, um, to travel, to finish and complete my travels across the country, the West coast, uh, seeing friends, um, checking in with folks and coming back home to New Mexico. And if some of you have been following me along on social media, you know, that, Um, I tried to move to California and I really, really thought it was going to be like the thing that I was going to do. But as soon as I got to California, I could feel the land of New Mexico speaking to me in my dreams, showing up to me in my visions and calling me to come back home and to bring my spirit and my heart and to complete the work that I have to do here. And so because I honor what the soul of the earth wants for me, I decided to move on back and I can see why in so many ways there would be too much to get into in this intro, why, why this land has called me back uh, so much about what my work is to do here and how much there is to honor in the, in the spirit of change, uh, so much has changed um, as far In the spirit of change, so much has also changed as far as what is coming up in the pipeline. Now, you guys, if you've been listening to the last four to five episodes, you've heard me talking about the Threshold Keeper retreat. And I have to update you and let you know that the dates have changed and so much within Threshold Keeper has shifted as well. Um, Ashley has had to step off for her own personal reasons to care for her own life and, um, in coven behavior and uh, the, the spirit of like being in sisterhood, we sat with it for a couple of weeks and we said, okay, let's do this. Let's make these shifts. Let's honor health. Let's honor wholeness. Let's honor what needs to happen to prioritize care. And so the dates have changed. Those of you who have signed up have been notified. Um, And because the dates have changed, so will some of the interior content of Threshold Keeper Retreat. I'm such a huge fan of listening to what the seasons, what the land, what the times, what is being invited of us to speak to, to listen to, to hold space for. And so there are going to be a few tweaks to how we're going to be showing up in Threshold Keeper, what we're going to be bringing through. And I want you to stay tuned for those. Um, We're going to be having the retreat now on November 2nd through the 5th, same place, same uh, time frame, 2nd through the 5th of November. Uh, Mendocino, California. And this is a perfect time as we enter Scorpio season, as we uh, sit in the sort of thick of, of threshold matters and begin to face 
what the West or what autumn has in store for us. I'm actually really looking forward to this and looking forward to what will cook inside of us as keepers of the threshold uh, when we enter into this realm. So stay tuned for more updates. For now, I am so excited to present to you a new episode with Sabrina Marna. I'm so excited to present to you a new episode with Sabrina Monarch, who is an astrologer, a novelist, a mystic, a romantic, and a philosopher who has been courting the invisible uh, for many years. She's the host of the magic. She is the host of the Magic of the Spheres podcast. She's an MA in philosophy, cosmology, and consciousness from the California Institute of Integral Studies. She has a background in evolutionary astrology and constantly keeps her practice interdisciplinary and evolving. Most lately, she's been traveling internationally, meeting the ecstatic, and touching into the underworld, practicing, learning, embodying, researching eros and psyche as myths, as cosmic bodies uh, that she works with. You can connect with her on IG at Sabrina Monarch and subscribe to the Magic of the Spheres podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Find her at www.monarch. Find her website at www.monarchastrology.com. Cannot wait for you to hear this episode about working with Saturn and Pluto, the very themes of change that have been working through um, our lives here uh, behind the scenes in Threshold Keeper, my life, Ken Spirit. It's been really fun to just be able to co-create reality. It's been really tender to be able to step into change. And this episode with Sabrina is going to really support you in your own um, journey with change, in your own way of moving through the world with Saturn and Pluto and the transits that are coming and that are here for us to work with right now. So enjoy. And if you deeply enjoy this episode, I know many of you are like me. You're you love to listen and you get really shy when it comes to leaving a review. But and some of you come into my DMs and tell me how deeply the episodes move you, but I, and you tell me how deeply the episodes move you and it really lights me up. I want to invite you to bring those reflections to uh, the Apple reviews on the podcast. It really helps people to decide whether or not they want to listen to the podcast. Um, and it helps us other people to find us. It's been a while since anyone left a review, but I'm getting com comments from, <laughs> I'm getting comments from you guys at least, um, once a month, at least DMS from you guys from the, I'm getting, but I'm getting, it's been a while since anyone left a, a review on Apple Podcasts, but I'm getting DMs from you guys almost every week about the podcast. So I want to invite you to take those reviews and put them out there for the world to see so that we can spread some of this beautiful juice that we're cooking and that we take some time to put into form. Um, so thank you all for listening. You guys mean the world to me. Cannot wait to get into this episode. Enjoy. Enjoy. 